This is Bleacher Blum, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now the current master of banter for the Houston Astros television broadcast team, Blummer. The bleachers are open, but we don't want too many people in it. That's why we are doing this via satellite or via whatever internet's working for us right now. I've got David Tuttle, my co-host out on the West Coast. I, myself, Jeff Blum, am hunkered down right here in Houston. And we figured since we gave you a little bit of uh, a delay in getting some podcasts out recently that we should be a little more aggressive considering there is nothing going on. And we could peel back your ears for a little bit longer and be a little more aggressive in that sense. So here we are, Bleacher Blum, second time this week. We are coming at you with a podcast. We're going to update you on all the coronavirus issues, not just in Major League Baseball, but there's been some interesting developments in the NCAA, the NBA. I've got an idea on how to uh, how to finish off their season because March and April are usually the playoff time for them. And then the NFL, of course, uh, they are so worried about the attention not being drawn to them that they're worried about their NFL draft and free agency going on. I've got some thoughts on that. I'm sure my boy David Tuttle does too. And I just want to applaud ourselves for what happened last week. We got out a podcast in some adverse conditions. We did it cellularly. We did it wirelessly. We did it uh, remotely from a car. We had a rain delay, which is the first in podcast history. I'm taking full credit for that, by the way. I don't care what anybody says. We had an actual rain delay for Tuttle out there on, on the left coast. And we had, I had to throw in a little musical interlude because I was having such an issue with the uh, editing process, but it was a lot of fun getting that podcast out. We appreciate all of our fans who are getting on to bleacherblums.com, ordering swag and listening to our previous podcast. We got a pretty solid archive getting worked up. And of course, you can listen to the most current episode of Bleacher Blums. But my boy, David Tuttle, how are we doing out there on the West Coast? Are you guys, uh, how are you doing personally, man? How are you handling all this? Plumber, great to be with you, and uh, we're doing well. I mean, like I said, it's day one of uh, kind of looks like about a three-week shutdown from uh, work and school and all that stuff. So day one, I think, will be good. The honeymoon, we'll have to see how long the honeymoon lasts because uh, I think cabin fever will set in, and that cabin fever may affect us more than the coronavirus itself if uh, if we're at each other's throats. you got a family of six. we got a family of five. We're going to be hunkered down under one roof for an extended period of time, and I think that might be uh, that might be a bit challenging. But uh, everyone's healthy, everyone's happy, and um, you know this is a really unique time. Uh, we talked about it being the worst year ever. I'm hoping we cannot catch coronavirus via these microphones we have. Uh, that's <laughs> get, the, you know, get the viral virus of the that's coronavirus. Right. That's right. That remains to be seen, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting times, and uh, I think we're doing as well as can be expected, and uh, and I hope you guys are too. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I, I thought Rudy Gobert said something interesting. I know he upset a lot of people, touching mics and shaking hands, but obviously he didn't know he was a carrier. But um, he said he felt like he could go out and play, and I think that kind of shines some light on the fact that you know this isn't. The way you envision this like world pandemic is that oh everybody's like under it and dying and he's just a carrier but he's young and healthy and you know he'll fight the uh, fight the strain and probably be uh, be better for it ultimately and I think that that's uh, I don't know hopefully again silver lining that that's refreshing right if you're young and healthy and uh, and ready to roll then uh, this should be something that's uh, that's quarantined and um, kind of mitigated and and moved past uh, as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, I agree. It's kind of a scary situation. I don't want to overblow it and act like everybody else out there buying loads of toilet paper because up until this point, I have not heard that it it creates explosive diarrhea. So I'm not sure where the toilet paper comes into play. Uh, Last I checked that uh, HEB out here, which is a local grocery store, said that they're going to be supplying. They, They actually had been preparing for this over the last several months. So relax. You know, I don't think that uh, the the stores are going to go empty. Last I heard, even in Italy, with everything shut down, they still have stores full. It's just, you know, they're trying to be very patient in how they get the product out there. But the ideal thing, like Tuttle just said, is to maybe self-quarantine a little bit, stay with your family, don't pass it on to anybody else out there. But we will get past this, man. Yeah, we will. And uh, Mark Grant posted yesterday, he goes uh, about toilet paper, you know, Grant. Yeah, um, mud, the pot, mud. The mud, he's great. So mud, mud posted that, uh, hasn't anybody heard of a shower? <laughs> with the toilet paper <laughs> old school. It's like old school, right? Like, hey, you can, you can take a shower. I, I, I lost that. Hose it off. I mean, you know, a bucket of water and a sponge, a shower. There's other things you can do that are probably fine. And honestly, if you can't get any food, you know, the toilet paper is, you know, on the other side of that, right? You got to worry about other things before you have to worry about the toilet paper. The other thing I want to throw in is I uh, went to Trader Joe's yesterday or the day before, and all of those stores, similar to your HEB, I always used to call that HEB, but that's a Californian, right? HEB. Um, that's what my girls actually call it. It's funny. Oh, uh, yeah. HEB. Are we going to HEB to get anything? Um, anyway, uh it, they have plenty of merchandise. They have plenty of product. They just can't load it fast enough. It's like New Year's Day and Christmas Eve and all that stuff wrapped into one. So I think, again, you know, as crazy as we talk about this global information wave that we're on, misinformation spreads just as fast, fast as information, right? And, you know, like you said, guys trying to buy all the hand sanitizer and sell it and buy toilet paper and sell it to your neighbors. Like, what a what a lovely Ass thing that clowns. is. Yeah, what are these people doing? Nozzle, as you like to Nozzles. say. Nozzles. So basically, Trader Joe's was saying they're kind of on a skeleton crew. They've got less staff but more yeah. product and more business. And so it's just hard to get all the stuff on the product, uh, uh, all the product on the shelf. So I think, again, part of our job, Blummer, is to uh, be men of the people and get the word out. And I think that this, uh, obviously, this quarantine and this um, this thing that we're going through at this point is uh, is obviously serious enough to keep us at home, but I don't think it's, uh, it's worth uh, starting a riot or going crazy over it. No, I completely agree. And of course, David Tuttle is going to be the calm voice on this podcast where I get a little excited at times. So that is good information from Tuttle. And we don't want to belabor the point because you are tuning into this podcast and listening to it because you enjoy the content, we hope. We we try to put a little extra effort into what we do here on Bleacher Blums because we want to entertain as well as inform. But we are not scientists. We are trying to get as much information as we can because at the same time, we t- keep telling everybody at home, we are still parents in all of this. So a part of our job as a parent, as a leader inside of our inside of our clubhouse or our house, so to speak, is to gather information and delineate it as as we see fit for our family. And your kids are getting older, Tuttle. My kids are in high school, so they're getting a lot of information. And it's kind of created a fun, interesting 
you know, a, a provocative conversation here and there because of the information that does come in through school. You get the emails. You get uh, when spring break is being suspended until. You get uh, how many people have contracted, how many people haven't, what it what it entails, and who it's affecting. So it's actually been kind of cool to have everybody on the same page and have an open enough relationship with my kids to be able to have that conversation. And I'm constantly, they're probably annoyed with me because I really want them to know as much as possible. And I keep asking them, I'm like, do you have any questions? I mean, we did it in a group. And even when I've had them individually, I've kind of set them down. I'm like, hey, do you have any questions? Is there anything you want to know? And I, we've kind of used that in every situation we've had, but especially now when there is so much information out there and our kids are on social media where things can get a little overblown and out of control. And it's tough to figure out what's real, what's not. But uh, it is an interesting time. Just do your research, do your due diligence, and make sure that everybody's informed as best they can and take care of your family. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I do love the fact that our kids are getting older because I think it makes the dialogue more fun. Because honestly, yeah. as parents, we know, I think we thought this when we were kids, that our parents knew everything, right, and had all the answers. Like, hey, well, how come <laughs> this happened and what's going on? And you realize as a parent, um, your job is to kind of gather information and and fetter that out. And obviously, there's some things that you want to keep from your kids. But as they get older, now it's really about shaping the information or giving them the information um, how do I say it? Uh, giving them the information and letting them make their own dis decision, right? You're exactly, not filtering yeah. it. Yeah. And so our conversation the other night, and this might interest you or maybe not, but my, my son's way into math, one of my daughters as well. And we just talked about it from a math perspective. It's like a math conversation. So, you know, we don't know how serious the virus is. We're not sure about this. But basically, if everybody went down to Founders Park here where I live for Fourth of July and like two people had it, and you know, 500 people got it, and those 500 people, you know, gave it to other people. Basically, it would just inundate the hospital. So it's kind of like, look, if you can, you know, if only two people have it, then they can manage that at the hospital. But if 500 people all go to the hospital at the same time, it's a it's a resources thing almost, if that makes sense. So it's not, it doesn't even. I mean, of course, there's other medical like you know infectious disease components to it. But it was really funny that our conversation the other night really turned about uh, into a math equation, which is like how many people, you know, how many doctors are on staff, how much, uh, how many supplies and how much medicine and how many uh, ventilators do they have versus, you know, how many people would go to the hospital at the same time. And hence the reason we're quarantined. So hopefully nobody got lost in all that. But it was really it was kind of a fun conversation to have um, and, and engage the kids in a kind of an adult fashion. Right. And get their thoughts on it. No, absolutely. And I, I I love the part where you said you kind of got to let you give the information to your kids and let them come to their own conclusions and talk to them in a way that you can help them understand. And you're right. The math part really helps out because you can say it's, you know, it's it's a 10 times greater to to die from this virus than maybe the flu. But at the same time, you can say that 15 percent of this group is 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 in, in, you know possibly going to die from it but you've got to look at the other side too and say hey there's an 85 percent chance that you do survive this entire thing and that's how you kind of fit, you know funnel the information to these kids but it's kind of funny that you're talking about math and i know your kids are into math i'm terrible at math but currently i am wearing a t-shirt because we are recording this on 3.14 2020 so trying to bring a little bit of light and levity back to this thing happy pie day buddy how's yeah. it going man are you enjoying this i i don't know like 
I mean, can we, we can make a holiday out of every day, I think, is what is <laughs> I think happening. we've tried you know? to, haven't we? Yeah, we know that the cannabis folks out here, they can't wait for April 20th, you know, 420. They love that. You're, and you're, we ruining, got... you're ruining my idea for opening oh. day for baseball. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, I, I, I see, that's why we don't, we don't prep anything on this podcast. <laughs> but like, I mean, if Pi Day is a holiday, like I said, my son is probably the only one in our little uh, group here that appreciates Pi Day more than... More than anybody. Now, if you actually brought me a pie, like a Boston cream pie on pie day, hey, you can get me on board, my friend. That's outstanding. Yeah, that's awesome. And you told me before this podcast that your son can actually recite the first 50 numbers in pie. And I'm currently wearing a shirt that has 27,000 digits of 3.14. So it was kind of fun to, I don't have glasses good enough to read every number on the shirt, but it's a lot of fun to think about and try and wrap your head around the fact of how big this number is. And well, with cabin fever setting in, we're going to have time to look at all those digits. That might be the, the chore for the next three weeks is let's memorize all the digits of pi say, up to 50,000. I, I could just read it. We could just say, here's Bleacher Blum's number 60, 3.14 point. Blah, blah, blah. Let me just give, just put everybody to rest. Yeah. But you know what? Go ahead, dude. No, I was just going to say, are we ready to jump into mailbag or do we have another transition? Do we have a sponsor in there? You know, this is very informal, as everybody knows. Well, we know that St. Arnold's is always going to be a sponsor, but I w just getting on the number thing, um, I don't like – if you follow me on Instagram, I'll put some stuff out there about me personally, but there's something I didn't talk about last podcast that I probably should have because so many people were involved. And I graduated from Chino High down in Southern California. And that school has been around, I think, for almost 125 years. And they retired my number – and it is the first number in school history in any sport to be retired. So I just want to give a shout out to everybody there at Chino High. Um, Alfred, you know who you are, head of the Booster Club, who did a great job getting this together. And a good personal friend of mine who knows Alfred kind of got the ball rolling on this. And you know him too, Tuttle, is Aaron Gordonier. Did yeah, yeah. a very good job. I went to college with him. We're best friends. He still lives in San Clemente. But uh, they did a really good job and put this thing together. I flew out uh, before, you know, at the right after I got done in Florida with our spring training games, I flew straight to California and was honored to have my number retired. So if you get on my Instagram at Blummer27, you can scroll through there and see some of the posts I put in there. But it was a really incredible day. I was truly honored. And I just, I just failed to get that out there because I want to keep everybody updated. But it's one of those humble things. I know that it's, it's cool and something that uh, I don't want to go unnoticed. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and go, man, I totally deserved it because so many people were involved. And, you know, I mentioned my mom, my brother who went to school there. A lot of these people had a lot to do with it. So I appreciate all the feedback and all the likes and all the comments that I got on that post. But just a little bit of an update, you know, things that are going on outside of uh, actual Astros baseball and my job. I got to have my number retired and it will hang uh, at Chino High School for hopefully a very long time. But one thing that really kind of, you know, helped it sink into what is actually happening is, is a, one of the coaches there, his name's Mike St. Esteban, and he was a pitcher at Chino High when I was playing there. He was a senior. I was a freshman. We were on the varsity team together. And he went through every level of Chino High School baseball and took the number 11 jersey out of every, every uniform they had. And it came in a trash bag. So that's when I was kind of like, wow. Okay, so the number 11s are, you know, it, it is, it's legitimately retired. So it kind of put things in perspective. But a lot of love out there in, in Southern California at Chino High. So I appreciate everybody out there who made that happen. Dude, I mean, that is incredible. That is incredible. It's amazing how um, 
how diligent and how responsible. And I mean, you must just feel uh, ultimately honored. My, I, I saw a couple of pictures and posts that you put from there. And my favorite piece was that uh, Greg, your brother, was wearing a Bleacher Blums hat at the retirement ceremony. So, Dude, is he not the man? That was perfect. <laughs> that was the best hat I've seen in there. I give him props for that. But, you know, I, you and I have talked before, and I'm not trying to steal your thunder because it's not the same thing. And I think you're already in. But um, I, I received an honor from my high school about three or four years ago as well. Um, they have a sports hall of fame, and they put me in that. And and they didn't retire my number, but to just kind of get a like an inkling of that feeling, and like you said, the energy yeah. for people to nominate you and figure that out. Now, the the step that your uh, teammate took, oh my gosh, to go and actually take the numbers out of youth baseball all around Chino and say, look, no, we're officially retiring this number, is um, a testament to you and the, and the, and what you've achieved um, over your career. But like you said, it's funny how it takes it kind of takes a lot of people to uh, to make something like that happen. And they really have to be uh, willing to kind of sacrifice some time and energy for something that they think is valuable. And retiring your number was obviously as important to them, um, if not more important to them than it was to you to uh, to show you how much uh, gratitude they have for what you'd accomplished and where you came from. And I think that's it's just a testament to uh Again, a testament to you and what you achieve, but also a testament to the kind of people that you associate with and the kind of people that uh, respect what you accomplish. So kudos to them. Kudos to you. And what a, what a fantastic honor. No, great job. I, I appreciate you bringing the other people in because it did take a lot of work, a lot of effort. And thank you for saying those kind words. It is awesome to get recognized uh, for playing a game that I love and also just trying to be the best human I can be. And I think with that being said, getting that out of the way, we will move forward with Bleacher Blums, man. It is mailbag time. I'm kind of curious to what, see what you're going to throw at us in this mailbag segment. Well, as we said, we took that hiatus, and I think uh, some people kind of fell asleep, so we're going to kind of wake them up. We only have a two, uh, two mailbag uh, questions this week, um, and one's a question and one's a statement. So <laughs> we're going to start with a statement, but it's a, it's a conversation starter. So um, this one's from Arthur G. Arthur G., thanks for listening. Thanks for checking in. Um, he did write question, but I never saw a question mark in this whole uh, paragraph. So um, bear with it, right? So I just wanted to write to agree with your take on PED use being worse than the sign-stealing hysteria. It's calling to hear a guy like A-Rod condemn the Astros. I also want to provide an additional argument that PEDs uh, are worse. PED use is so much worse. The problem with PEDs, as you explained, is that it's a form of illegal drug use that a person can rationalize. That is, if everyone else is doing it, then you must have felt an incredible pressure to take PEDs just to stay competitive with your peers. And that trickles all the way down to the high school kid hoping to make his team, earn a scholarship, etc. That's what makes PED use so insidious. Your podcast is terrific. Go Astros. So there you go. No question, but excellent points. And uh, I think it kind of just reinforces um, what you brought up about uh, Doug Glanville's kind of take on it and and you know, the way that it was articulated, I think is, uh, is pretty, um, succinct and on point. Yeah. And we just tried to shine a light on what Doug did. He did a great job. It's a, it's a pretty extensive article and he knew he was probably going to get some, 
you know, blowback for saying something like that because he actually named guys in there. But uh, he did his research, did the, did the right thing, and wrote those words. And go to ESPN.com. I know you got plenty of time. Read that article from Doug Glanville. Uh, it was very good. And also a very good point by uh, Albert, I believe you said his name was, in saying that it does kind of trickle all the way down to lower levels because everybody's looking for that competitive advantage. And sometimes, you know, other people are going to do it in a not-so-fair way. That's right. It was Arthur, but that's Arthur, all right. We've Arthur, had, I apologize. Arthur. That's all right. We've had Alfred and Albert and Arthur <laughs> all kind of intertwined. And Alfred is our dog, but that's also oh, the yeah. guy that helped you that helped you uh, at Chino Hills. So there you go. Um, this is a question that's kind of um, outdated, believe it or not, but, uh, but I think it kind of leads into the topic of the week. And uh, this is from Amanda M., uh, COVID-19 in baseball. She says, tonight, uh, March 11th, the NBA has suspended the rest of their regular season. What do you think that does moving forward for baseball or even hockey or other professional sporting events? So a very appropriate question, Amanda, and I think we now have plenty of answers around that. But I think, you know, not only NBA, NHL, uh, baseball season being postponed, um, our kids are out of school for the next three weeks. Um, this is a, a bigger, obviously a bigger deal than than any of us, I guess, ultimately thought it would be. But, I, you know, I think it's the right thing. I think a thing that's not being mentioned, and of course it may be obvious to many, is that a lot of this comes down to liability, right? With March Madness and the NBA. And I mean, if somebody said, all right, Rudy Gobert had it, gave it to the referee, the referee sneezed on someone, somebody in the front row got it, and then their parent passed away, you know, uh, you know, a compromised immune system, somebody died, then obviously it's lawsuit city. And, you know, so Obviously, it's for the health and well-being of everybody, but I think there's a liability component to it as well. So, No, I completely agree, and it does kind of uh, lead into what is going on or what we wanted to hit on in this podcast because it is affecting all major sports. And you're right, March 11th was the t you know that day where everybody got pulled off the court. I think Mark Cuban did a very good job on the spot figuring out what was going on and had some great answers in the moment. I'm not too sure how many other owners would have been able to do that under the circumstances. But as far as right now, Major League Baseball, we'll just start with baseball. Major League Baseball is suspended. They suspended all spring training games, and they have quoted to, they have been quoted as saying they're aiming for the second week of April to get games up and going. And, but that is a very fluid date. And I think this is where in history of sports and these kind of uh, of work stoppages is, you know, the indefinite time frame that we're dealing with. We don't know if it's going to get better. We don't know if it's going to be that two-week period or that 30-day window that we keep uh, hearing in the news that is going to really allow this to dissipate and allow some of these large group functions to be able to continue. So Major League Baseball has actually announced that they are allowing players to go back to their families, which I think is a great idea if they can find a way to do that safely and make sure that their family and friends and uh, their community is doing good. And at the same time, they've also left the facilities open, you know, like the uh, uh, Houston Astros down in West Palm Beach. I think there's about 10, 15 guys that are still just going in, light workouts, staying in shape. But that's where you kind of run into the issue, I think, with Major League Baseball in, in comparison to NBA and the NHL 
and obviously college basketball, is that they're not in the middle of their season. They can reboot spring training for a couple of weeks and get back into a regular season situation. But I think that's where we're going to see that. We saw that in 1995 after the 1994 strike is that they came to an agreement in spring training in 1994 for Major League Baseball. And they had a quick two-week spring training and started the season, I believe, that year on April 25th and finished out the season. And there's been a lot of talk about the integrity of the season. I know it gets over overused, but the goal is to play 162 games, but I don't think that's the end goal. I think the end goal is to have a substantial season. I think you're looking at about 100 to 115 games. Once you get into that range, you might create a little bit of an issue where you say, okay, should we just bang the season? Should we just end this thing right now? And that would be unprecedented. And it would be, a, I mean, not apocalyptic, but it would be a definite hit to the economy of baseball, both players, personnel, staff. you got to think about the support industry that is in major sports that get these stadiums up and running. Those are the people that I probably are, are most concerned about. But that is Major League Baseball. And I told Tuttle earlier, I go, wouldn't it be great if we started the season on April 20th and just went started the game, started the season on a real high? But boom, but boom. boom, I like it. <laughs> um, but here's my idea for baseball. So hopefully, in the next two or three weeks, we get much more information as far as the government, CDC, everybody is concerned. And I want to hear your thoughts on this because this, if I'm, thank God I'm not met Rob Manfred, but if I were the commissioner of baseball, I would look at every ounce of information we've got. We've obviously kept these teams. Uh, quarantine, so to speak, at their spring training facilities. We have an opportunity. We see the numbers uh, decreasing, and they're saying there's an opportunity to get large groups back together. But if I want to bring the game of baseball to the fans and start the healing process and start the distraction process, how about this? On April 20th, we start baseball. You re, you're, right now, you're taking the time to reschedule the schedule and put teams where they need to be and find out, figure out the logistics. But you start like this. You start with no fans in the stands. You bring the television crews. You put camera guys out there. You put guys in the booth like myself, Todd Callis, and Julia Morales, and the guys start playing baseball for maybe a couple of weeks until we see even the numbers decrease a little bit more and things become a little bit more safe. And then you all of a sudden, you, you've got baseball. We're in the homes, and there's some regularity. If there's people quarantined, guess what? They get to watch their favorite sports. All of a sudden, we're starting to get back in the routine, and then we can gradually let small groups in, larger groups, and maybe get back in the swing of things. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's a titration, right? You're just going to do it in uh, small groups and small batches, which sounds right. I, I, you know, I wish I knew more about obviously how the disease spreads and all that stuff. And as you said, I think the caveat was, you know, we don't know what this means, but as we gather more information, I think, like you said, we're, if we're all like batting down for three weeks in our, under our roof, getting some sort of sporting event out there. Um, watching it on TV would just be, I mean, the ratings would be sky high. And as you said, Major League Baseball has been struggling with that for years. And a lot of people say, ah, it's kind of boring or it's slow or it's slow moving. If there ain't nothing on TV and you're the first one back April 20th um, and you can kind of use that energy and use that momentum, I mean, I think that's a really good way to start. Now, I think, again, not being an infectious disease doctor and not knowing enough about this, like, you know, obviously, do do all 50 players get tested, right? All 25 guys get tested on both teams, and the umpires get tested, and then the TV guys get tested. Maybe we just test those 200 people 
um, and then they're all good and all you know non-carriers, then you know get it going on TV. So I, I think there's nothing wrong with doing that, but I think the supply and demand thing always comes. You said you're not a math guy. I'm not really a math guy. I wasn't really an economics guy either, but supply and demand is something that sticks with everybody. Yep. If there ain't no, that's right. So if, if the supply is limited, then the demand will be high. And we've seen that with toilet paper. I think there's nothing wrong with comparing toilet paper and baseball starting on uh, April 20th <laughs> on a high. I love it. That's a, those are some good thoughts. Great call by you. And how about we move from Major League Baseball? Because so many things are up in the air. All this right now can be speculation. So we're just offering up a little bit of opinion, an opinion, and maybe some ideas for everybody to toss around. And again, you can get to Tuttle on Twitter, at RealDavidTuttle. And you can get to me, at Blummer27 on Twitter. Uh, but let's move on. So the NCAA always a mercurial institution to be running, but uh, they have canceled March Madness. And obviously, the you know, I can't imagine the hit that Vegas is taking right now with none of these sports going on with that gambling industry around sports itself. But March Madness alone, there's so many fingers of this that are so crazy and complicated because cities make bids to have the, the final four in their city. There's economies coming to these cities once a week for these tournaments. So that's the economic side, but on the player side, there's seniors. There are guys who play their entire season and are not going to be able to finish out their season. So I think that's kind of sad in that sense because the, the initial thought was to play some March Madness with nobody in the stands and give these guys the opportunity. And then eventually it just became that they are just banged the basketball season, which is unfortunate. And I'm not sure if there's a rumor out there. There probably is. I haven't paid that close attention to it, but I would imagine they're not even going to give out the national championship in basketball, which is unfortunate because I don't think it's ever been done by rankings. Uh, you know, that would be unfortunate. That was the excitement of the tournament is giving some teams the opportunity and I actually talked to uh, Adam Wexler yesterday and we couldn't remember the last time a number one, an actual number one seed at the end of the season actually won out and won the national championship so that's why they have the tournament but these kids are going to miss out the interesting thing about that is is everybody talked about eligibility and the NCAA went as far as to give spring athletes another year of eligibility Tuttle I've got a question for you do you like the idea and this is all athletes in spring sports, whether you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you have got another year of eligibility because those seasons have literally been wiped off the map. They are not playing any of those. Division one, two, three, NAI, nobody's playing a spring sport right now. So I like that idea that you have given those guys from freshman to senior an extra year of eligibility. My question is, how do they handle that economically? Because typically a scholarship, if you are a scholarship athlete, is a four-year scholarship. Is the NCAA going to supplement that fifth year of possible scholarship, or is it on the player to come back and pay for his own way through school? Well, I mean, Jay Billis tweets about this all the time. I mean, you know, the NCAA doesn't have enough money, right? And he'll go through the LSU football locker room or whatever. Good I mean, Lord. these schools, especially the ones we're talking about, like if you're playing basketball at one of the top 20 schools or football at one of the top 100 schools, 20 schools, I mean, they have plenty of money. I think that they could, you know, they would obviously have to subsidize that scholarship. Like at Santa Clara, we had scholarships that were, um, you know, four-year scholarships, uh, donated by a, a you know a, a booster, and then after four years, that went to a freshman, right? They went to mm -hmm. a new person. 
So, I mean, there's obviously some subsidy that has to come in there, but I think for the amount of players that they have, I mean, if it's 50 or 100 guys, I think they could probably float them that extra year um, and make the tuition go away. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question. You know, the one thing I saw about the tournament, you were saying, were they going to award something based on rankings or not? I saw that the initial thought was to do a 16-team tournament, take the top 16 teams and rankings okay. and then play that out. That's not going to happen. But that would have been a little bit different. And then, of course, just like we do when the 64 teams get announced, there's always the guy in the bubble. You know, that team that's 17, 18, 19, or 20, yeah, they're going to throw down. Like, wait, how come we didn't get in the top 16? But that that conversation is moot because uh, it, that that all went away and nobody's playing and nobody's gathering and nobody's getting together. And I do, I do feel for, I think you brought up the compassion point, I really do feel for the... Uh, you know, the guys that came back either for one more year or it's their senior year and they're not going to go play in the NBA or play beyond that. Um, it's a really a uh, it's really, uh, you know, a, kind of a, an abrupt and also uh, probably disappointing end to what they thought would be, um, you know, kind of the highlight of their career. I remember my junior year kind of knowing I was going to get drafted, not sure if I would come back or not, but kind of living that you know, I was having a good year and you know this too, like, you're like, yeah, this is great. This is kind of your, you know, it's not, it's not like doing your retirement walk where they're going to give you a Harley Davidson. No, th this is a, going. this is a very good perspective. Keep going with it. Yeah. Yeah. So all I was going to say is it was just a really good feeling to kind of be looked up to on the team and be a leader and finish out the year, um, finish out the year kind of the way you wanted to on your own terms. And then obviously like getting drafted and having that decision is different than some of the guys that we're talking about, but it was, I don't know. I mean, for lack of a better word, it's on our own terms, I guess. Right. And, and you and I both had a similar experience um, when it, when that comes to it, because you start talking to scouts, it's kind of like when you were being recruited to go to college, you kind of know what your future holds and it's a really nice thing. These guys are kind of stuck where it's like, what am I going to do? And now I can't even, you know, their, their swan song was playing in the uh, in the NCAA tournament at the end of the year, and uh, it is. It's a little disheartening, but you know, for the health and well-being of the globe, it's probably the right decision. But that doesn't mean there aren't like unintended consequences or you know, or uh, collateral damage. No, and I think that does put everything in perspective on both ends because there is, I, I, you know, Tuttle and I were fortunate enough to play a sport that we loved, obviously, but at the same time, be very successful at it to the point where we knew that we could, were going to be able to chase that dream. And what I think Tuttle is trying to put in perspective is, is you know, if you're a junior, you know, you know you're going to get drafted. There's another level. You know that when the season ends or if they take away the March Madness, as much fun as that would have been for those guys to play in, or if they would have taken away the College World Series, as much fun as that would have been to play in, there was something else. There was another level. There was a next step. There was another opportunity, and that's where the seniors are kind of being taken away, whether they were majoring in astrophysics and going to move on to a, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollar job changing the world in, the, in engineering or astrophysics or you know, being a doctor and moving on and really having an impact out there. They wanted to finish out their career as a basketball player on the court in March Madness. That experience goes so far for the emotion and spirit, you know, spiritualness of a player uh, moving forward in their careers. So that would have been invaluable experience for those guys that they will be, be missing out on. But great way of finishing it up too and saying, 
will be a little more grateful the more people that are alive to be able to move on with their lives if we shut this down and didn't put them in harm's way by bringing them to a massive arena where I think in Atlanta is where the Final Four was supposed to be. And they were estimating 70 to 75,000 people showing up into one facility to watch some basketball. So that is it for March Madness and the disappointment in that. The spring athletes are going to get that year of eligibility back. But then we move on to the NBA, where the, the epicenter and ground zero for sports being canceled started. You mentioned Rudy Gobert earlier being the one that uh, kind of was jokingly touching all the microphones and now has become a little bit more serious. He has since apologized for the embarrassment on uh, Instagram. And now it is done. Now... Like we said in baseball, there's no definite time, time frame when they're coming back. So that being said, how about the NBA take the torch of NCAA and they go into a 32-team tournament to see who the NBA champion is? What do you got, Tuttle? I like it, man. You put a lot of thought into this. This is awesome. So, yeah, when they come back, if they come back, let's say, May 1st or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you want to see you want to see an NBA champion. You want to be able to cheer in your home city. You've missed basketball for a couple for maybe a month. Why not all of a sudden you've got the Sacramento Kings? You're like, come on, boys, get it together and let's go. Yeah, I don't. I think it would be, gosh, maybe because it's professional sports. I would have a hard time wrapping my head around a 32-team tournament with single elimination. I would think they would be would still best be of crazy? three. Wouldn't it be cool to do best of three? Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. like Yeah, so best of three in each series. So 16 play the one on both sides and then 15-2 and work that way, and you play best of three. I mean, if, if that's how it works, I mean, I think that would be more – I think that would be more exciting than doing the regular playoffs just like based it. off where the standings are now. Let's do a three three game series, thirty two team tournament, and best best team win. And of course, if the Lakers or the Bucks didn't win, somebody would want to put an asterisk by it, and that's the way we, that that's the way I could foresee that coming out. Right, like we were on a roll, and then this happened. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, I I like the idea. I mean, you have you've come up with all kinds of solutions. What about hockey? Have you thought about hockey? <laughs> no, nope. I'm kidding. Not one. Nope. <laughs> it's not even on my list, dude. That's so bad. I know. It's funny. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. If the NHL wants to come back, do what you got to do. I haven't really thought about the NHL. They already have. Don't they already have a 32-team tournament at the end of the season for playoffs? I feel like they have the most extensive playoff system in all of sports. But, uh, yeah, they've got plenty to figure out on that side. As far as the NFL, I'm – Shut it down. I know that they love the attention and always be in the offseason, talk about things, but shut the draft down, move the draft, push the draft back. I mean, I know that, that it kind of falls in that April 23rd to 25th area where it might be out of that window of, of everybody being contaminated. But, dude, move it. Shut it down. Nobody cares about the draft right now because you know what they're talking about when they talk about drafts? Mega million dollar deals. Yep. Nobody wants to hear about your mega million dollar deal when we need the mega millions to maybe get a test for somebody. And then, well, the you know, what's funny about that is it's the NFL trying to jump in line again. Right. So the NBA got a bunch yeah. of hubbub, the NCAA tournament and then baseball is being postponed. I mean, the NFL just had to put out a headline like, are, should we do the draft virtually or should we actually meet and do it? It's like, how do you guys even, you know, you don't need to jump in that line, the fray. Like you said, just shut it down, be you know, be politically correct. Keep your mouth shut until the season's going to crank up. And the NFL, the NFL is the one kind of organization, major sports uh, organization that really doesn't need to continue to. It, it always goes back to my thought about 
Coors Light and Bud Light, you're, you're fighting each other. But it's like, you don't really need to do beer advertising before a Super Bowl, right? Like, I think people <laughs> know, point. they know that they're going to go out and get their beer. I mean, I realize that you're trying to hit your demographic. But I mean, the NFL is the most watched, you know, sporting entity in the world. And they can just take a back seat for five minutes. And they will come back and watch your your NFL superstar draft situation. We can hold off a couple more months on where the heck Tom Brady's going to go. No yeah. big deal. It'll be okay. That Those kinds of stories will regain the attention they need. And that's all yeah. I've got for the major sports. If you got anything else on what's happening around the sports world right now, you can hit it. Or are you ready? Are you ready? He is shaking his head. The man is ready. You know what this means? Waddle Tuttle say. I'm thinking we're going to have to change the name of the segment to like, you know, shitty customer service or something to that effect. Waddle Tuttle bitch about today. <laughs> yeah. No, but I like it. So last That's time great. I did tell a story, which that kind of lightened it up. And I think by titling it, what will Tuttle say gives uh, a lot of uh, a wide berth I can fit into. But I uh, I do. Um, we talked about coffee snobbery before coffee aficionado. I do get like small batch coffee. Always will. That's one yeah. thing that Tuttle and I are big on is the coffee situation. I be the coffee snob. That's fine. There you go. So I have coffee coming in, but as I've talked about before, I've gotten really into espresso. So I only really have a coffee grinder for my espresso. It's on top of my espresso machine. Yep. I make cappuccinos and I push espresso. I'll make an Americano. But I kind of, I was away and I was doing the job thing. And so my, my small batch coffee stacked up. So I've got like three bags oh, yeah. and I want to make sure. Yeah. And now I have a pour over too. So I have a pour over, but I get whole bean coffee and I don't have a grinder. I know I should get on Amazon and just buy a grinder for the regular coffee. But typically I'll go to Costco or Trader Joe's and just pour my coffee in the grinder they have, fill up the bag and take it home. Yep. So yesterday I go into Albertsons, into the coffee aisle. I brought my own coffee in from home. This is funny. So maybe maybe some of this uh, goes on my shoulders. You I know. what? Look at, yeah, your jaws dropped open. Well, because they have the coffee grinder in the aisle. Well, I talked to the manager, and he said, oh, no, we got rid of the coffee grinder. I'm like, you got rid of the coffee oh, grinder? No. I said, Trader Joe's has it. Costco has it. So... I'm like, oh, I have whole bean coffee. I bought a bunch of groceries. I'm like, I'll just take it over to the Starbucks kiosk over here. Do you okay. know what the Starbucks kiosk said? No, I don't know what that is. So the little Starbucks kiosk gal, I know. Well, no, the it's a Starbucks in the front of your grocery store. I'm just oh, saying yeah, I went okay, over to the kiosk that. Yeah. with a lady. And I said, hey, I have some coffee beans that I need ground, and you guys have removed the coffee grinder that used to sit over there in that aisle, would you be able to grind the coffee beans for me so that I can do my pour over coffee home? She said, is it Starbucks coffee? And I said, uh, no, it's a small batch coffee. Yep. She gave me the big X. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. We only are allowed to grind Starbucks beans. And then I said, oh, really? I said, that's kind of unusual. Does your grinder not work on other beans? And she said, she said, well, you know, we have organic and the oils and all the, you know, she started getting into the nitty gritty. I'm like, 
I almost, I just was like, yeah, BS, right? Your nose is growing. <laughs> like I said, look, this is small batch organic coffee. Like it has oils and all the things that your coffee beans have too. You could throw it in the grinder. And anyway, so I'm headed over to Trader Joe's today at some point to grind my pour over coffee. But so anyway, so she said to me, she goes, oh no, I just can't grind it. Uh, I can't grind it at all. She goes, this is not because of the coronavirus. And I was like, well, I didn't think it was because of the coronavirus. Like, well, I mean, she's like, we're not allowed to grind beans that aren't Starbucks coffee beans. And I just thought, I mean, I don't know. I mean, so today I'm off to Trader Joe's to grind my own coffee beans for my pour over drip coffee. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe I got to get on Amazon and just buy a little coffee grinder. It just never seems easy to grind a whole bag of coffee at your house. It's just a big mess. And they have those kind of industrial grinders at Costco and they used to have it at Albertsons and, of course, Trader Joe's. And those folks have no problem letting me grind my own coffee beans in there. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what kind of uh, what kind of customer service that we're leading the world into. But when she started to quote the organic like oils and the small batch like Starbucks stuff, I'm like, just tell me you can't grind beans that aren't Starbucks. That that would have been a better answer. So, yeah, anyway, don't, anyway. don't don't bring your trash in here. That's that's what she said. Like, don't and I'm like, don't patronize me. Like, you know, tell me yay or nay, and then I'll get out of your get out of your hair. But I mean, if Howard Schultz, right, the uh, founder of Starbucks, do you think if I if Howard Schultz was there and I said, look, Howard, I like Starbucks coffee. This bag that I have here doesn't happen to be Starbucks. Would you be able to grind it for me? I have a feeling he would say, yeah, sure, I'll grind the beans for you. So all right, yeah. So we're we're done with what'll Tuttle say, and we're gonna throw it over to uh, Lloyd and Harry. We have a special guest on Blum and Blummer today. Huh. I expected the Rocky Mountains to be a little rockier than this. I was thinking the same thing. That's Jeff Blum's full of shit, man. Hello. Oh, that <laughs> that's not the no normal Blum you're used to hearing. That is my beautiful wife, Corey K-O-R-Y Blum. Who is sitting in because we have to we one thing we haven't done in the ble the bleachers is talked about the bachelor situation recently. You smell really good. Mm. Yeah. It's a very intimate <laughs> uh recording here. She's not sitting on my lap, don't worry. But getting back to the bachelor, the first thing I'm gonna say is now that it, all of you who have watched this and Tuttle, truth be known, has not watched the entire series of The Bachelor. We've known from the get-go that Pete is an absolute buffoon. I can, I can say that. Corey, Corey, Corey might use some different words. But the one thing that we discovered through this whole process, don't be like Barb. Yeah. How, how, who is Barb and what do you got on her, babe? Barb. Barb's Pete's, Pete's mother. Mom. Pete's mother. Trucker. <laughs> She's a piece definitely a piece of work um so Tuttle has not watched any of this how I have how not so yeah so well no so the bachelor update started because Jeff was frustrated about something on the bachelor and I knew <laughs> nothing I have watched the bachelor and or the bachelorette in the past I've kind of outgrown that stage so I've just kind of tossed it to the wayside because of some of the things that I think you're going to touch on here yeah. I mean you know we appreciate people that are themselves but, you know, no woman likes a man who can't make a decision. And then if you see that it stems from from genetics, then I don't I don't know what to tell you. So, yeah, I have Jeff said I haven't watched the entire series. I have watched 
none of the series. And so you're going to have to. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I just caught up. I actually watched the last episode, the finale, where it was in studio. They had a crowd, you know, it was kind of like a town hall type setup. And they had some, you know, the scenes and then they would break to the studio and Chris would interview Pete. Pete would have this harebrained story to tell. And then Hannah Ann comes out and is like, you're an idiot. I'm leaving you. You're an, you can't, you don't know what you want. I'm out. And then they bring back Madison, who he who left earlier because she said that he was an idiot and like, I'm not coming back. And then Chris went to uh, Alabama, I think, where's where she's from mm -hmm. and goes, I think Pete still has room in his heart for you. And Madison took bit full, you know, took the bait hook, line, sinker and ended up trying to get back with Pete. So so sad. Chris is still the host. So He's I do know Chris. Yeah. All right, sweet. I do know yes. he got divorced uh, in the past five years, but Chris is still the host, so that's good. That part I get. But you have to fill us in on what Pete kind of, what his background is, why he's so unattractive or so crazy, and then tell us what his mom, like what is his mom? Is she uh, coddling him? Is he a mama's boy? Like what's, uh, yeah. what's the where, problem? Where do I start? Yeah, what did you see in that whole thing? Am I wrong because I'm hypercritical of Pete or am I, am I spot Gosh, on? We all loved Pete. We loved Pete from The Bachelorette with Hannah B, I believe it is. I'm new to this. So unlike you, this is probably the first time I've watched a full season and had a full-on watch party. This is not, these are not proud. Oh, it got things. real. There were watch parties, yeah. There, yeah, there was a dozen roses, some uh, oh, wine, champagne, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And you get into it. But we left The Bachelorette. I loved Pete. I was like, why you are, what did you not see? And, what the heck Pete, was so appealing about Pete to begin with? He was, okay, he was that, we, we didn't get in depth on Bachelor at, we didn't see the depth of Pete. And, <laughs> or lack of. Yeah. Uh, he was just a sweet guy that, uh, did, there wasn't a drama there with him. A but sweet, handsome guy that turned into what as he became the bachelor? Like, what is he? What uh, What did he evolve to? There just wasn't much there. I mean, honestly, when I watched the show, I think the producers do a great job, but I can't imagine falling in love with somebody that I, the the just the conversations alone. There was just nothing there. It was. I love that. I love that. I mean, dude, anything that happened, something. he would go. I love I that. I love that. And it was just, uh -huh. yeah, it was, there was no real oomph with Peter. Toward, and then towards the end, it all just kind of exploded in his face. But um, yeah, Pete and, and then Barb, honestly, Barb stole the show. So hey, just so Tuttle knows, and for those that aren't listening or weren't watching, as I told you, they were in this town hall type setting in front of everybody, but they would have this little shadow box like we're doing right now on Skype where there was this little, little box, you know, side screen of Barb and her reactions. Every time that Hannah Ann said something, she was goo goo eyed and like, oh my gosh, I love her so much. She's the best person ever. She's, She's perfect. Walking angel on earth is what That's she a direct said. Quote. That's a direct quote, Barb. So the other girl, Madison, was Satan, literally. Anytime Madison said anything in that little corner of the, of the screen in the lower left, Barb would be rolling her eyes, dropping the psh, you know, whispering to her husband and stuff like that. So it was it was unbelievable. And she clapping. did steal the show. She was clapping. 
when her son was getting just pounded by uh, Hannah Ann. Uh, figuratively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figuratively, sorry. She was collapsing. Like, I just, I was shocked. It was shocking, honestly. It couldn't have been better TV. So Barb had her choice made up, is what you're saying. It was like Angel Devil from Animal House, right? Angel talked, <laughs> and she was like, yay. And then Devil talked. She's like, boo, boo. Like, you know, like oh, that. Yeah. It was just that watching her. D. Yeah. So, so definitely a mama's boy then. I guess for for everybody out there, because I know nothing about The Bachelor at this point, like what happened, what was the result? And then I'd love for you to provide insight because you're raising uh, four wonderful daughters. And I think that's the key piece because everybody gets into TV shows like American Idol was popular. You were talking about a watch party. I think 90210 was a watch party when I was oh, yeah. uh, much younger than I am now. Um, but yeah, but... Uh, but I just, I just want to know, so how did it turn out? And then what do your, like, are your daughters eager for the next season? Or, or is Pete somebody that one of your daughters would be interested in dating because he's handsome and sweet? Or are they just like, oh, no way? No. Heck yeah. no. Okay, great. Right away. Awesome. The, that means you're the racing. Worst, no, I would say the best part of the last show or the last episode <laughs> Uh, was when Pete went, or she went to Pete in LA, Madison, and they had their breakup. Oh man, the can the, the camera panned out, and that <laughs> outfit that Pete was wearing. I was like, girls, do not ever bring a young man home that rolls his jeans. Dude, he rolled him out like halfway up his shin. It was the worst thing ever okay that that's just a joke but um no that just piles on pete because <laughs> pete is not i mean he's a nozzle to begin with like like tuttle said he can't make a decision yeah and then he, he can't even hit the he clothing options himself. awful yeah. yeah and what was hilarious to me is that uh kayla was like i'm not watching i can't stand pete he sucks From and she walks out of the room there was like it was maybe after the first episode and she was done she's like can't stand him and then uh Oh man, there was something else I was just going to talk about that I completely forgot. That's okay. The girls, the girls understand that this young man is not a catch. Nor have many of the latest bachelors been a huge catch. I, I don't think. I, I think that the whole show has gone from oh look at this great guy, he's got it together, to like dude, pizza pilot for Delta. Like not even United or like Delta. It's like the work. I just don't know. He's not a catch. It's it's he's no longer a, the the guy's no longer a catch. And then the girl, you just we feel sorry for the girl, so then we just give her a bachelorette because we love to watch a shit show for some reason. It is it is such good television, and I have never ever really been into reality TV. I only watch because I've got either like a friend on Survivor. I didn't even watch that whole no. thing anyways. But um, this has been very entertaining. And I did honestly start watching because I wanted the girls to see, like, look at these girls. Don't ever act like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do no, not need to be good, that it, desperate. Yeah. No, I mean, we are always looking for examples, right? You want to and, – and the examples don't always have to be positive because they can pick up on it. Like, here's a positive example of how you want to behave and how you want to have, you know, solid yeah. manners here is a way, you know, not to behave. And I think, you know, you're, you're not getting into territory where I get like, you know, grouchy old guy, but we're also getting to the age where we, we, there's a, 
there's kind of a lack of depth with many things. You know, people continually talk about um, like ESPN just being highlights and, you know, quick blurbs here, quick blurbs there, and get a different feel when you watch a whole game or you do. So when you watch a whole show, you might get a microcosm of what we're seeing in society, I guess, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. So, and how do you yeah, fall in love with There's no depth to it. Yeah. How, how do you fall in love with somebody in what? Is it eight weeks? Yeah, three. It might be nine weeks. They said three months. I thought. Yeah, like I mean, it took me a weeks, good like... few years. <laughs> I'm oh, just man. kidding. Here we go. I'm Open that kidding. up. I'm it's kidding. Because, well, it's funny here because you thought eight weeks, nine weeks. Like, oh yeah, nine weeks. That makes a ton of sense, right? Like nine weeks is way better than eight weeks. But I think if you go to the Eiffel Tower and you stay at the Four Seasons and then you're on the ocean with your feet in the sand. Like, by the ocean with your feet in the, it's a lot easier to love in a situation like that, right? Then like oh, take absolutely. the garbage out, do the dishes. <laughs> that would be great. That should be the next bachelor bachelorette is you just put them, you say, okay, you have the girls in houses and say you are now the the the, the roommate. They should just room together and see how they oh function gosh, together. That That'd be was, way better. That was so uncomfortable. Did you see the one where they had fantasy suites and they put all of the girls they stayed in the same no room. what yes in australia they had fantasy suites and so pete would come and get one sleep with them drop them off take the other one wait fantasy suite them. they would he would like hump them this is what they do this is the fantasy suite is they spend a night together and this is when madison said look if you sleep with those other girls i'm out i can't Good be part her. of that okay but hello you don't go on the bachelor as a really pure. devout pure christian girl and then say to the guy you're down to the last three I'm hey, hey wait let's get back to the fantasy suite <laughs> <laughs> this is the windmill situation oh my gosh he was in me? that pete was in with hannah b when they were like what happened in the, the windmill? windmill was a fantasy suite yes in oh Greece. my gosh what Man. I am missing so much. You are. Yeah. I so have I... no idea if any of our listeners are going to understand what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I hear Hannah B come in and I hear Australia. I hear Fantasy Suite. I think it's awesome that we have a special guest on here. I also think it's hilarious to hear your banter. But the Fantasy Suite thing always threw me too. It's kind of like, you know, let's get a handsome guy and a bunch of beautiful women. He's going to narrow it down to like four or five and you know sleep with a few of them and then make your choice for life i mean they, they like they don't they don't have to get married that's the other part like we all yeah. get wrapped up in it right nobody ever gets married i think there's like four or five couples that have yeah. kind of stayed i think it's definitely changed like I, we were talking about this last night and i think that the purpose has completely changed. You know, they used to go on it and maybe like, oh yeah, I might find love, I might not. And a few of those couples are still together and married and that's great. But now I think it's, we've got, you know, people on Instagram that are now making a ton of money, these influencers. And I think these people go on these shows now and they're like, well, you know what? The worst thing that happens is I get more followers. I'm now an influencer and I might have like some cash flow. Yeah, so, create a yeah, so brand or something. I honestly I don't, don't think it's it's just being used as a platform now, I think. Because look, Pete, he's not a catch. He's a cute, sweet guy. You put in a corner and with a dad bod. With a total dad bod. Have you seen his <laughs> legs? <laughs> Guys, if you're listening, I'm just gonna tell you, I don't know how many listeners do you have? 
a lot okay in our minds do work out the bottom half of your body especially <laughs> your calves if i look at you and you have a, i don't check guys out but i do do this Liar. What are you doing at the gym? You're in there for two hours. You've got these all these muscles up top, and then you look down and you're like, you look like you're standing on toothpicks. It's terrible. You're an inverted. And you know why? Calf. It's because, baby, you have such good calves. I got show calves. <laughs> and, they all can't be just the secret to the the Blum's healthy marriage. The calves. Yeah. It's all about the calves. So it's if anybody sees Corey. K-O-R-Y out in public. <laughs> Make sure you're wearing your shorts. Give her a little flash yeah. of your calves. There. Flex. But anyways, yeah. hey, to, to finish off the whole bachelor thing, uh, Pete, the pilot, pilot, whatever he is, is petering he, out. He he petered out. <laughs> so he is no longer with Madison. He no. is a single human She's and he put dead. that out. So to my wife's point, this is just, it seems like a scam now because everybody's just using it to get the fame and the fortune and the followers and then move on. But hey, babe, yeah, welcome to the podcast. You did great. Thanks. This is fun. What yeah. are we going to talk about next? Uh, I have nothing to next do. Next, we'll be, I am, we will I am be free for the next 27 days. You have such days. a polite voice compared to me and Tuttle. I feel like we should be like, next, we'll be talking about <laughs> petunias. Yes, no. we're going to have the, the Saturday Night Live NPR voices. Like, you know. <laughs> exactly. Oh Thanks, babe. All right. High, High five. five. Okay. Bye. Love you. Love you. Thanks, Bye, Corey. Bye. That was awesome. Okay, so we got our bachelor update out of the way. Uh, that what what I mean, this is where Bleacher Blums is going. We're we're gonna expand. I don't know if that was as much of a bachelor update as a way to introduce the world to Corey and her sweet voice and her thoughts about um, potential suitors for her daughters and what she <laughs> uh, looks for in men. But it, it was entertaining. And, and like I said, um, you know, I, I, I might have to watch the end of The Bachelor just to figure it out. But I, I would agree that most of these things, short attention span, um, kind of, uh, you know, little snippets and blurbs of things. I mean, these people are looking for kind of some notoriety. And the one thing we're not trying to do on Bleacher Blums is uh, gain quick notoriety. We've been uh, working at this for a while. And uh, we're trying to obviously increase our listenership with good content, but hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody got a lot out of the uh, the podcast today. And this one's uh, getting up there for an hour. We're gonna try and uh, we're gonna try and put out a few this week, aren't we? Yeah, I think we should. I know that you've got a couple more stories in the tank that we can still bring out. I think they're gonna be evergreen, considering how long this hiatus from sports will be. So we need to save all the content we can. And yes, we did expose ourselves a little bit by bringing in my wife through a little bit of a curveball here on Bleacher Blums, but that's what it's about. We're gonna start having a little more fun with this and maybe broaden the horizons a little bit and expand some of the topics that we do bring. But I know Tuttle is working hard. He always has been on this podcast and bringing some of the content and some of the good stories to it. And and, you know, speaking of stories, this may be an opportunity for us to tell some of those stories, because I really like what you said earlier in the podcast about the uh, the feeling of being a junior in college, knowing that you played well enough to get drafted. So there was going to be an opportunity to chase that dream. And maybe we can elaborate on that a little bit more. But all the fans out there, make sure you go to bleacherblums.com. You can get into that mailbag. Give us an idea of what you want to talk about. I would imagine that uh, people will get in the mailbag and say they either 
or they're glad the bachelor is over. So there will be no more updates and we can uh, talk about some other stuff, but it was great to have my wife on. I appreciate Tuttle for being open-minded about that and bringing her on. But uh, this is the end of this podcast, man. Number 60, I believe is in the books, man. And we are going to make this thing work a little more frequently because we're all that's left. Yeah, no more sports out there. Get to uh, bleacherblums.com. Uh, there is some swag to be had out there. And I will say uh, we got the uh, T-shirts for St. Patty's Day, but it looks like that most people are going to be wearing their green at their house all by themselves. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, there are more colors, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping out, but uh, let's hope we can get together in a couple of days. Like I said, this cabin fever is uh, spreading quickly and I'm going to lock myself in the closet and we'll be able to throw down. So uh, I'll save some topics and uh, think up some stories that may entertain the folks out there. Most definitely. Great job again, Tuttle. Again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will get this podcast to you as soon as we can. Again, this one was recorded on Saturday, Pi Day 314. For those of you who don't know exactly what pie is or thought it was maybe of the apple variety. But uh, we are going to be done. And at the end of every podcast, we, of course, like to give all first responders and all military a shout out. But I think we may have to expand it a little bit here in recent days, knowing that there's nurses the EMTs, the uh, the doctors, everybody that is out there combating this coronavirus on the front line who are in there trying to figure out every aspect of this, the scientists that are out there really doing the work to try and give us more information, but especially to those doctors who treat and to the nurses who facilitate everybody getting the treatment that they need and looking out for everybody's health out there. So we appreciate all of you. If you are listening to this, uh, we let let it be known that Tuttle and I greatly appreciate you and everybody listening to our podcast greatly appreciates you too. And everybody staying at home, be safe, be creative, have some fun with the kids, get a chance to reconnect and catch up on your Bleacher Blums podcast because this is it. We're going to ask you, even though you're at home, cabin fever, get after it. But most of all, believe it. 